Well, howdy, everyone, and welcome to Real Grit, the Cowboy Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode. I am your lead host for this episode, Andy Vosser, joined by my compadres here, Cayman and Tristan. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going? Hey there. Going good, going good. We're going to talk books tonight. Who's excited? Yes, we all love books. I do know that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> all of us. All of us were. Uh, I, I remember us all as as youngsters being very voracious readers, and I wish I had more time to read now these days. But you know, I still I still try to squeeze in a a few minutes before bed each night. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have I think four books on my uh, nightstand. I'm trying to work through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't talk about so the much stack to of read. Books I have. Yeah. Stack of books in my too good in my uh, living room that I haven't gotten to, but I have ones for work that <laughs> kind of are more important, and then my fun stuff gets put to the side. <laughs> I don't have a long uh, enough commute for audiobooks, so I miss it. Ah, one downside: not having a commute. I, I don't mind That's, having a short commute. But that is I don't true. Get to read or listen to things. <laughs> that is very true. That is true. So, what we're going to talk about in in this episode is early stories of the American frontier. And um, I kind of teased it last episode that we really aren't going to talk much about cowboys, but sure we're going to talk about now. Yeah, I know it's we are the cowboy podcast, but we have to as we're kind of doing in this series is we're kind of building up uh, from the foundation. So in the last few episodes, we've just talked about how cattle got to America and how all that plays into well, eventually cowboys and. I really am of the opinion with what we're doing with this series is we're, we're, we're kind of showing the, the actual cowboy and the legend of the cowboy and where they begin and end and where they intersect. And so I really thought it would be good to then maybe start looking into where the legend of the cowboy, the Western gets its, gets its roots, kind of what, what foundation it's, it stands on. And so I've got a few different authors and works that are, I think foundational. There's probably a lot more. But uh, these are ones that I am familiar with and I think um, play an important role in what will become the Western uh, and Western storytelling later on. Um, so starting off, um, I want to talk about James Fenimore Cooper and his Leatherstocking Tales. Um, Cooper was born in 1789. Um, he was... As a boy, in the last part of his life, lived in Cooperstown, New York, which was founded by his father, William Cooper. I mean, you know, might as well just start a town and name it after yourself. <laughs> might not. Uh, <laughs> right. you, know, you can remember it that way. People have been doing that for generations. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um, His decision to start writing was not completely clear, but I did read one account saying that he was once reading a novel with his wife and he started complaining how mediocre it was and that he could write a better book. And so his wife kind of challenged him, well, then why don't you just go and do it? And so he's like, okay, I will. And he wrote a book called Precaution, which was a romance novel, which we'd maybe would say is in the style of Jane Austen. So <laughs> more, more of an English book. What better way to show your wife, hey, I can write a book. I'm going to write a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe she'll read it then, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've actually been to Cooperstown it, in New York. Fun fact. Uh, that's, 
That's right. And while I was looking at this, I, I was thinking a lot about you because I know you used to live up in some mm-hmm. of these areas in New York. So I was, I, I, I was kind of actually wanting to talk to you beforehand to kind of get some of your insights of some of these areas that you've probably been to. And yeah, you know, it's, being it, the, it's funny until we started doing the research for this episode, I didn't know that's where uh, Fenimore Cooper was from. Uh, there is a, a golf course called the Leatherstocking Golf Course there, and uh, ah. there's a. a um, a uh, like museum. I think it's his old house. Actually, now that I think about it, like an art museum. That's uh, there's like the, the Fenimore Cooper, the Cooper Art Museum. It's like an old house, but really, what it's famous for is it's the National Baseball Hall of Fame is in Cooperstown. Believe it or that's not, that's right. I, yeah. I kept wondering why. I kept thinking that was familiar. It's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's where baseball. Yeah, hall so fame. Cooperstown. That's, that's what that you know. That's why I went actually. Um, was to go to the Baseball oh. Hall of Fame, and it's a small town with this you know the Hall of Fame there. But hey, the uh, Fenimore Art Museum is there as well, which I'm guessing will is based off of you know the fact that he lived there, um, which also makes a lot right. a lot of sense now, of course. <laughs> yeah, <Right. laughs> it's, it's all in the name. A funny fact: what I found actually when I was doing a little research too is he actually attended before they went to New York. He went to uh, Yale, and for th- for two years, but then he was expelled. And a lot of the things wouldn't tell like the reason why. They're just like the the school board asked him to leave for reasons there was incidents and a little more research basically as a prank because he did a lot of pranks and i found that he blew up a a fellow student's door and then there was also (laughs) rumor that he burned down one of the and because of that it burned down one of the like buildings like the housing buildings but then they said that that probably wasn't true that was a different incident from something else (laughs) So yeah, anyway. kind of a, he was kind of a pyromaniac. Then. He, he was known for yeah. his, his pranks and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think <laughs> kind of about, crazy kid. you think about his writing, right? I mean, his, his characters are very free characters, right? Which we'll get into a bit, but I mean, it kind of makes sense if he grew up, if he had more of a free spirit, if you will, in those days, then that probably showed in his writing, which I think it does, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 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 And then while he was in New York, he founded the bread and cheese club and was, Kind of had a bunch of different like notable painters and writers and stuff that all hung out, including William Cullen Bryant, which the biggest thing he's known for is like New York Evening Post. He's only, he was the editor for a oh, long okay. time for that. Okay. So huh. he hung out. He kind of was was in the middle of kind of kind of like uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien and the the Inklings, kind of the same kind of a lot of famous authors in the same circle, kind of all right, exchanging right. ideas. Which 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 happened quite a bit. I, I recently read a book by. Um, David McCullough called the greater journey is basically about Americans that went to Paris and the same thing where they would kind of are all, you know, all these famous painters, authors, all this were, were, were kind of together, um, uh, kind of it, drawing inspiration off one another, having that, that friendship and stuff like that. And kind of, you know, yeah, building that critiquing each other's work, kind of using that as that, that camaraderie to help them go forward and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, that's interesting. Yeah. And, Correct me if I'm wrong. So that you, you're talking about the first book he wrote, the um, the precaution that oh yeah, it was not. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I, was, I was reading it wasn't it was not successful commercially. Right, like it, yeah, it did was, not sell. It wasn't much. a commercial success. Yeah, it so wasn't he at all. Failed yeah. in that initially. Yeah, yeah. Um, his his claim to fame though is yeah this is the leather stocking tales which. Um, or five novels that he wrote between 1823 and 1841. And they are The Pioneers, The Last of the Mohicans, which is probably the most famous, The Prairie, The Pathfinder, The Deer Slayer. Um, and they follow the main character of Natty Bumpo. And he's known 
probably best known for his nickname Hawkeye, which comes from The Last of Mohicans. Um, and the stories take place pretty much in the 1700s in central New York. Basically, a lot of them surround the French and Indian War. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the um, what was going on up, up in there with the, with the, the I think it was the Hurons, the Huron tribe. Um, and, you know, are, are there any, um, are there any historical kind of sites and stuff for French and Indian War up in that part of the state, came that you are aware of? Um, not really. Most of the historical sites that I went to um, were Battle of 18, you know, not the Battle of the War of 1812, a lot of, you know, that. And then um, uh, I'm blanking Saratoga. Yeah, Battle of Saratoga. Um, but I think I, I was actually really curious about that. So I'm, I'm at a, a local, uh, you know, somebody who's lived there for a long year, a lot of years, <clears throat> kind of asking that question because even the like the the War of 1812 battlefields and even the Revolutionary War battlefields aren't that well preserved, you know? And I asked about the, the kind of the French and Indian Wars um, or the Seven Years' Wars, I guess is the more proper terminology these days. But um, and basically he just said that, like, people didn't care, right? Like, the battle was fire here, cool. It wasn't really, will- it wasn't really until Gettysburg that the preservation of a battlefield became a thing. Um, which I had no clue that Gettysburg was kind of one of the first battlefield battlefields rather to be preserved for history and everybody else kind of caught on, I guess. And, you know, so that's, you know, even like Saratoga, there's only a small section of the actual battlefield that's left. Everything else has, you know, private land or in, and then the, the war of 1812 battlefields I went to, same thing. There's a very tiny part that still exists and the rest of it is kind of, you know, built up or whatnot because they just, there was no need to, you know, I guess, or want to preserve a battlefield because it's where a bunch of people died. So I really didn't see any any historical, you know, Seven Years' War sites. I mean, you know, of course, you're up there by the St. Lawrence, the Great Lakes, which a lot of the, you know, that fighting kind of took place. Um, but I didn't see any. I'm, I'll, I'll take a look. I might have seen something. You got, I'll... Take a quick peek. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, for me, it's always, I always like to, to find out, you know, if, if I've not been there, other people who have been in those areas. Yeah. If there, is there stuff there you can see that kind of, that kind of explains some of the historical stuff behind this. And even though these are fictional stories, they're, they're based around that. The funny thing is though, is that the, um, the, the books follow this, this central character, Natty Bumpo. But in, in reality, Cooper was playing with the timelines a lot of it because Technically, at one part with the prairie, he ends up out in Kansas, like in the early 1800s. And by that point, with the with the age that that Natty Bumpo would have been in, like the Last Mohicans or the Deerslayer, he'd be like almost 100 years old, and he's still like, oh, interesting. you know, in his prime. He's, he's like Jack that? Benny. I think he's always 39 or something. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in well, the end, you know, I mean, oh, go ahead. I, I, I'm just saying, it, it, in, in the end, he was just a. It's just he's the author. He can he can do what he wants. Yeah. Also, I was, I was interested to find out that he's actually, it's based off of a real person. Eddie Bumpo, he kind of, generally it's believed that he was inspired by David Shipman, who is a, a person that Cooper would have known. And he uh, he often furnished venison and fresh game to Cooper's table, lived and hunted in the area. He had, a, he had a log cabin on the east bank of Oaks River between the villages of Toddsville and Fly Creek. Um, and he was known to dress in like tan deer hide, wear leather stockings tied below the knee with leather straps. And he would, you know, go to Cooper's home, talk to him, tell him tales about his, you know, like war, Indian hunts, 
uh, settlements, all that kind of stuff that ended up in the book. And then he, uh, this guy, David Shipman died, um, in 1813 in at the age of 73 in Fly Creek, New York. And there's actually a, a, a historical marker there. When I was looking into it though, there's, I guess there's a bit of a, there's been some legal battles and debate. There is a, a different marker in, let's see here, Hoosick Falls, New York for a, um, Nathaniel Shipman, which was said to be the inspiration for Natty Bumpo. <laughs> so there's, I mean, generally everyone believes it was David Shipman, but there's these two townships were actually fighting over. There's a whole thing, like a legal thing about like which one had the, the right to say that they were the origin of the Natty Bumpo character. <laughs> Who gets the bragging rights here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, the. Uh, of of those books, though, probably the most famous, I guess, anything that maybe could still be remembered today or n- at least known of is The Last of the Mohicans. Mm-hmm. And it's been readapted over and over. Apparently, there's like there's been 11 different movies that have been made. The first one starting in D.W. Griffith did a, a short silent film in 1909 called Leatherstocking. And the most recent is The Last of the Mohicans, which came out in 1992. It stars Daniel Day-Lewis. I thought it was it was a newer adaptation in the 2000s. There could be. There, from what I was looking at there and and I mean there's also like TV versions. I mean at one point there was a a a a western that was on during the heyday of TV westerns which is called um uh Hawkeye and the the Last of the Mohicans or something like that. Um and I actually while researching this I actually watched the 1936 version of the last of the Mohicans with Randolph Scott, who eventually would go on to be a pretty big cowboy actor in the forties and fifties. Um, and the, the 1992 movie actually claims to be kind of a, a spinoff of that, not so much of just off the book, but actually a, a remake of the, of the film as well it has a similar plot structure. They took a lot of liberties with the, with the book and, and, and made it their own. I've actually never watched all of the, 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 the newer one. I've watched clips from it. Um, it's a great movie, but actually. It, I, yeah. I love the score from. It. I've heard a lot of the music from, but I yeah, I was trying to find a copy to watch before before we recorded, and I just didn't could I couldn't find one. I didn't have the time to do it. So, yeah, no, it's a great, great uh, movie. That really kind of came out in that era. I mean, the early '90s. There were some, you know, they were starting to do some pretty good, kind of, you know, either ep, kind of in that epic scale of things. You had last Mohicans like that around the same time Gettysburg came out. You had mm. things like, um, unforgiven, uh, unforgiven dances with wolves. I mean, tombstone. you kind of had that kind of that long tombstone, that long form type of type of very, um, high production value type of historical type of, of, of films that were coming out right, right in the early nineties there. Um, so that's kind of that, that, that same era, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been, that's, that's the one that's been made a lot. Yeah, and, it's most, most and, well known. You don't. You ever, never really hear about the other ones at all. As right. the vegans is and I, it's it's kind of funny. I, I, it's, it, it is interesting. It is interesting how a lot of times with different authors, artists, musicians, whatever, the things that they produce, there's there's some that kind of become immortal, and there's so much more that just kind of goes by the wayside. But the funny thing is, is a lot of times the ones that we now consider the most famous actually were not that popular a lot of times during during <laughs> the, when they the actually came out. Classic um, <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah. Later on, it becomes popular. You become famous after yeah. you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Later on, we'll get into to uh, another author. We're going to we're going to talk about Mark Twain, and it's interesting where you know you uh, the book that would be that was the most popular whenever he was uh, alive is not the book that 
most people probably ever knew he's ever written now. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, well, uh, there's the funny thing. I don't know if you came across this. Uh, I was looking into so you, you learning or um, referencing back to the, you. We know, talked about his first book was was encouraged from his wife saying, "Oh, but well, bet you can't, you know, or can you write a better story?" And in 1824, he was on a, a sightseeing tour. Cooper was with with a bunch of young Brits, and they stopped at Glens Falls in New York State. And he loved caves and waterfalls. So Cooper took the guys there to show them, you know, these guys from Britain. And one of them actually would later become the Earl of Derby and Prime Minister of England, uh, Edward oh, wow. uh, Stanley. And as they're looking at the the, the falls, <laughs> um, Edward remarks, "Here's a very here's a very scene for a romance." Saying this is a great place to you know like just be the scene of a romance novel or something. And so Cooper accepted that as a challenge and he, just like he did with his wife with the first book he wrote. And then so 18 months later, Last of the Mohicans was published <laughs> and, and it had related to that. So he, he, he liked, he, when people challenged him, that's uh, he would uh, rise to the occasion and uh, write a, write a novel. <laughs> <laughs> he needed a little Classic. bit of a chip on his shoulder to kind of get that. Yeah, yeah, I'll exactly. show you. <laughs> so, well, I mean, yeah, how does how does all this tie in with cowboys? I mean, let's be be real here. These are stories that primarily take place in mid-state New York, um, you know, about as far away as you could get from what we would we would think of where cowboys would be. But my argument is that really these frontier stories are the genesis of the Western story. And before cowboys and westerns became a thing, frontier stories were very very popular, and uh, it's always kind of I guess really been part of people's interest in fiction is stories of untamed, unknown places that you probably were never going to visit yourself. And these characters that kind of uh, go there and survive the elements. I mean, it's really honestly, even where we get to the point of where we have um, science fiction, where we have stories of, of these of these places that are only really kind of within our imagination, especially in these days, you know, the early 1800s, Mass transportation doesn't exist yet. You don't have even trains or anything like that. I mean, it was, I've heard it said that during this time in history and everything before really the, the, the mechanization of, of travel, that it was pretty much a given that you probably would live and die and never go farther than 20 miles further than where you were born because it's about as far as you can go in a day. Um, now, obviously, some people were, were going on ships. I mean, people move around. But generally, for the most part, you kind of just stayed in your one little area. And so people, I think then, as we still do today, kind of have this this desire for, for um, stories that take place in these areas that kind of sit in our imagination. We can kind of imagine ourselves being there with these characters, being these characters ourselves with these ideals and things like that. And um it just makes for, for, for great fiction, and it's really worked, I guess, well for the last several hundred years, really, with, with, with fiction. And um, yeah. so a lot of critics viewed, viewed the, the Leatherstocky Tales as like the first American novel and hero. Like um, he was the first kind of like well-known hero that the whole kind of natural right versus legal right, order versus change, wilderness civilization versus civilization. And that kind of became a, a theme through the, all the other books that, you know, we came, we came to be known as, you know, later cowboy or the dime novels. Right. Yeah. I, I found a, um, a quote from a, a website called the Mohican press and they, and they have a lot of, of books about Cooper and, and, and actually a lot of stuff, even on the, the, the 1992 movie as well. There's a lot of stuff where they have, 
guidebooks. You can go to the places. They, they shot a lot of it up in, up in mid-state New York as well, the movie. And so you can go to some of those places. But anyway, they had a really interesting quote on there, which I thought summed it up very well of, of the Natty Bumpo character and how we can maybe tie that to what becomes kind of like the character of the cowboy later on. And the quote starts, James Finmore Cooper, whose writing has evoked both admiration and disdain, is considered to be the first true American novelist. His most popular work, The Last of the Mohicans, has remained one of the most widely read novels throughout the world, and it, along with the other four novels that make up the Leatherstocking Tales, has tremendously impacted the way many view both the American Indians and the frontier period of American history. The romanticized image of the strong, fearless, and ever-resourceful frontiersman, in this case Natty Bumpo, as well as the stoic, wise, and noble red man, which is Chigachuk, which I always have a problem pronouncing, was more and more from Cooper's characterization than, than any other source. So, I mean, like I said, there was maybe one character we've talked about that he knew personally that helped inspire that. But really, yeah, this is Cooper was was kind of building the formula for what would become a frontier hero and could even maybe go into a cowboy hero, which is, yeah, that person who's strong and fearless. He's always resourceful. I mean, I've I've. I've read a lot of of uh, Lou novels, and in your hero and all the Lou Lamour novels, he knows he knows how to how to survive in the land. He knows how to avoid detection if he needs to. He he he's he's fearless. He'll stand up against what's what's wrong and stand for what's right. And that's kind of baked into the image of uh, the cowboy. And so, what's being argued here, and I, I think I could probably get behind it, is that Cooper if not the architect of that, is one of the main architects in American literature of that type of character. And that's how we can get to that, to where we I think we see that in the legends of the cowboys Yeah, could have its start. And I think to, to go off that, basically what you've you, you said, Tristan, and what you've been saying, Andy, is, you know, this is kind of the first American hero, and we can relate to the cowboy. I think you have to take a look at literature... Of the time period, you know, um, we talk about what did he say? He, he wrote a book in the kind of the same vein as Jane Austen, if I'm mm. not mistaken. Is that correct? Right. His first one, yep. yeah. yeah, yeah. His first one, yeah. So that that was the the writing style. You know, I don't know if you guys have read Jane yeah, Austen or you know any of the, the oh, yeah. books I coming out of that early, exactly the early Victorian the age. <laughs> it's very much about like gentlemen and love interest right there's not really a lot of exploration and so i think when we say this is the first american hero i think this is the first time in what we would call civilization well i'm not gonna use that word western civilization how about that western civilization that an author created a hero um that wasn't a gentleman i guess is the best way to put it you know what i mean like he wasn't he's not i don't know i I don't mr darcy (laughs) You know what I mean? At all. I think that that is how we can draw this direct link to the cowboy because the hero is, I mean, he's just a frontiersman. He's, there's nothing special. He wasn't born into wealth. He doesn't have money. And, you know, his his goal in life is not to find a wife like all these other mo- these books that were coming out at the time. So um, I think that's something that's really interesting that we can, again, relate to the cowboy novels. If you read them now, that, that you know, there is romance, obviously, because that makes for a great story. But really what draws the reader in is the, like you said, the resourcefulness and the, um, yeah, just like this different type of hero that we all kind of want to be, but we can't or we aren't going to be because, well, we have obligations. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's really what draws the crowd. It's like, oh, I'd love to be Hawkeye. 
I mean, of course, I never could be because I have to make money and, you know, follow the path society has laid for me. But, man, it'd be cool. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, like, inherently an American mindset beginning at this time. So, yeah, I think we see here how these types of stories, yeah, become a a a, a foundation for, for Western stories. And, and they really were. I mean, you have to think about what was considered the West in these days. I mean, there's, there's uh, a time whenever Daniel Boone went West to Kentucky. Um, that was considered the far West. It was the frontier of the West. And, and as, as uh, the American continent continued to kind of push that way, the, the, the frontier West continued to kind of get moved further and further um, west so in a sense some of these can be kind of considered westerns and that's where i'm saying there's there's frontier stories westerns they're kind of the same uh different you know early early stories before the cowboys come along typically dealt with the frontier a lot of stories about the mountain men and and or mining and 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 things like that and then eventually the cowboy would kind of take over that that was kind of the new uh, character that was on the scene that you could you could really build that romanticized view of 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 this of this untamed unexplored land and he's the vehicle how you could you could use that so well i mean the word frontier just means you think of it like even sci-fi the, the you know like star trek the final frontier it's always that, right, that yeah. new exciting thing that's being explored first it was the you know the frontiersmen that it was the cowboy exploring the frontier of the West, and now it's the frontiers of space, and you know it's always that next thing that we're we're new new frontier we're we're f- figuring out and seeing for the first time the brave men and women that are the first to go there. <laughs> so yeah, that's our our discussion on on Jameson Moore Cooper, a uh, kind of the father, or maybe you consider one of the fathers of of Western or frontier literature. Um, Next time, I want to pick up and I want to talk about Mark Twain. I know that and guy. You know that guy. <laughs> know and, that and and uh, and how one of his books, the book Roughing It, mm-hmm. is a great uh, tale of the West and and how it also kind of helps forge the way for popular literature on the Western part of the of the united states so that will be up in our our next episode so you'll want to you'll want to tune in for that and uh so anyway before we head off into the sunset here tristan why don't you uh tell everybody how they can find out more about us and 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 all the 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 stuff they need to know yeah well thank you listener for listening to our podcast without you we wouldn't really have a reason to do this so you can visit our website as always at thecowboypodcast.com where we have our episode notes when they're updated uh contact information other announcements <laughs> such as uh, our recent edition of the buymeacoffee.com um, website forward slash cowboy podcast where you can go and give us money to buy coffee and help fund our crippling coffee addiction um We'd also appreciate if you would uh, like, rate, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. That helps you know other people find. Um, and also just telling your friends, family, and uh, fellow frontiersmen about the podcast. I mean, while you're sitting around the campfire at the end of a long day of exploring the uh, Appalachian Trail. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this uh, episode. And yeah, be sure to come back next time for our next discussion. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Bosser. And on behalf of my friends here, Cayman and Tristan, thanks for joining us. And we will see you down the trail. <laughs>